Welcome to the Keto Camp Podcast. This week's quote comes from Gary Tobbs. We have to change the way we eat. Hey, Keto Camper. Welcome to the Keto Camp Podcast. I am your host, Ben Azadi. You could learn more over at benazadi.com. I'm excited to share a legend in the health space, in the investigative research on health space, Gary Tobbs, who is the best-selling author of several books, which we'll get into later. On this episode, Gary is going to just demolish that whole myth that the obesity crisis, that weight gain is a cause of eating too much and moving too little. If only it was that simple, and we talk about this a lot on the Keto Camp Podcast, we get into why calories do matter, but they are not important. And Gary breaks it down better than anybody could break it down. He really gets into the research. He talks about a few things on this episode. He talks about insulin being the driving force of weight gain. And it's true. Insulin is the bully of the block. We only have one fat storage hormone, insulin, and about eight fat-burning hormones that we know of. When insulin is out and about, fat-burning hormones are gone. So look at your fat-burning hormones as these children in the playground, they're hanging around, they're having a good time, all of a sudden, insulin enters that playground, the bully of the block. These fat-burning hormones, they scatter, and now we are in a fed state. We are storing food energy. It's a survival mechanism that has been designed within the human body for survival. It's a brilliant process, actually, if you really understand it. Insulin is not the bad guy unless we're eating foods throughout the day that are spiking insulin and glucose, storing fat. Then we have a problem. The issue is not exercising more. The real problem is the hormones and the cell metabolism. On this episode, Gary is going to talk about the history of diet advice and what went wrong. He's, he's going to share about advice from the 1950s that was actually pretty solid advice, but we got away from it, and then all of a sudden, the obesity and overweight epidemic started to occur. He'll explain why calories in versus calories out is a whole bunch of nonsense, why exercising more is not necessarily the answer, and so much more. Before I share Gary Tobbs with you, I want to say how thankful I am for you. Out of all the podcasts out there, out of all the things you could be doing at this very moment, you're listening to the Keto Camp Podcast, and for that, I'm so grateful. So thank you so much. If you're getting any value from the Keto Camp Podcast, please take about 30 seconds here to leave the show a rating and review on Apple iTunes Podcast. It really makes a big difference, and I would really appreciate that. So take a few seconds, pause it. Okay, welcome back. The next thing I want to share with you before I get Gary on the show is the Keto Camp Academy is one of the best resources for anybody who wants to achieve what I call perfect health. Perfect health is just allowing your body to function the way it was designed to be, to thrive, to live at least 120 years old, disease-free, health span, and lifespan. The Keto Camp Academy has 100 plus videos designed to teach you how to do so. We have courses on keto for beginners and advanced, courses on fasting for beginners and advanced. We have sleep, we have fitness workouts. We also have over $600 worth 
of meal plans. You also get all of my best-selling books and a monthly coaching call with me, not to mention you're part of an amazing Keto Camp Academy community, and the members of the academy are amazing. I'm so in love with the academy, and I love all the members in there. And if you are serious about learning a lot of the things we share on the Keto Camp podcast and getting coaching and support and a complete structure, then I want you in the Keto Camp Academy. At this very moment, I am running a founding member special. Here's the deal. We are 92% full for this special. The regular rate for the Keto Camp Academy is $39 per month and you could cancel anytime. The founding member special is $27 per month. Also cancel anytime. This is 92% full. If you're listening to this podcast episode in time, you could get in at that founding member special and I would love for you to take advantage of this special. Head over to ketocampacademy.com, lock in that rate, become a member, and let's take your fasting and keto results to a level it's never been before. All right, let's get into this episode now with the awesome Gary Tops. The weird thing is beginning in the late 1930s, researchers start creating animal models of obesity. The first one is uh, the lesion ventromedial, uh, lesions in the ventromedial hypothalamus in the late 1930s at the Northwestern University. And every single one of these animal models confirms this hormonal regulatory. By, and by that I mean you can do whatever you want to the animal to make it fat. You could surgically lesion its brain, you could create a genetic thing, whatever you want to the animal, work with genetic strains, and if you calorie restrict them, they would get fat anyway. This is how Jean Mayer put it in 1968 about its strain of fat mice he was studying at Harvard. He says, these mice will make fat out of their food under the most unlikely circumstances, even when half starved. So they don't get fat because they eat too much. They get fat if they eat at all. You could think of obese animals and obese humans, people who get fat eating the same diet that other animals and people stay lean on. That's the problem when they tell us we should eat fruits, vegetables, whole grains, and all that. They're telling us we should eat like they do. Lean people are telling fat people we should eat like they do because then we would be lean also. And we're saying we used to eat like you do. And we got fat. That's why we had to change what we eat. Anyway. Okay, if obesity is a sort of excess accumulation of fat, a hormonal regulatory disorder, the question is what regulates fat accumulation? It's an obvious question. It should be the very first question anyone studying obesity would ask. This is what Hilda Brooks said in 1957. Again, I'm not making this stuff up. I'm just channeling smarter people than I am. Looking at obesity without preconceived ideas, one would assume that the main trend of research should be directed towards an examination of abnormalities of the fat metabolism, since by definition, excessive accumulation of fat is the underlying abnormality. It so happens that this is the era in which the least work has been done. That was 1957. In 1973, when she wrote a book on uh, anorexia, which had become her area of expertise, she pointed out that now that the work had been done, there was no discussion of it in the literature. It was as though the obesity people didn't care, even though they had now learned what regulates fat metabolism. And basically, this was a lesson, and this too took two new technologies to, to do. It required an assay to measure fatty acids in the bloodstream that was discovered in 1956, and it required a way to measure hormone levels accurately in the bloodstream that was published in 1960 by Solomon Yallow and Solomon Burson and Rosalind Yallow, and Yallow would later win the Nobel Prize for this assay, and the Nobel Committee would say that this created a revolution 
in endocrinology and medicine and the revolution passed by the field of obesity. In part because that, by that time, the 1960s, obesity research was dominated by psychiatrists and psychologists who were convinced obesity was an eating disorder and were working to try and figure out how to get fat people to eat less. And even if they could read an endocrinology textbook or a metabolism paper, they didn't care. It wasn't their thing. And that was obesity research. It's fascinating, this history, because you can see how fashions determine reality in science. By 1965, Yalon Burson said this in their very first paper, insulin is the principal regulator of fat accumulation. Okay, and the diagram is the 2010 diagram from Keith Frayn's metabolic regulation textbook, just to show you that this, was, this didn't go away, it didn't turn out to be wrong. Suppression of fat mobilization, it's insulin, and as Yalo and Burson said, release of fatty acids from fat cells requires only the negative stimulus of insulin deficiency. Okay, so here are the key points of fat cell regulation. When insulin is secreted or chronically elevated, fat accumulates in the fat tissue. This is textbook science, and then the, you can go to a textbook and you'll see that it's... When insulin levels drop, fat escapes from the fat tissue and the fat depots shrink, and we secrete insulin primarily in response to the carbohydrates of the diet. So none of those statements are controversial. They're all textbook science. George Cahill, who did a lot of this research in the late 50s and early 60s, and then co-authored an American Physiological Society 600-page compendium of the... co-edited a compendium on this research. As he described it to me, he said, carbohydrate is driving insulin, is driving fat. And the interesting thing is, if you take away the three words, so that's textbook science, but if you take away carbohydrate is driving insulin is driving fat, if you take away is driving insulin, you're left with carbohydrate is driving fat, which is a logical equivalent and is now quackery. Because if obesity is an energy balance disorder, the only way that foods can affect our fat accumulation is through their caloric content or the, what's left of their caloric content after digestion. But now we're saying carbohydrate is driving fat through a mechanism that's completely independent. So when we locked in our hypothesis of obesity, when all we could do was measure energy balance, we locked out everything that came after 100 years of medicine, which included the field of endocrinology and the hormonal regulation of fat accumulation and fat mobilization and fat lipolysis and everything else. Quick thing, I interviewed George, 2005 Cahill, when I said this, and I said, okay, George, if carbohydrate is driving insulin, is driving fat, why don't you come away from this era, 1965, with a hypothesis that if you reduce insulin, you reduce fat accumulation, so if you reduce carbohydrate, you'll reduce fat accumulation. And he said, because we know what's causing obesity, we don't need a hypothesis. And I took a deep breath and I said, what's that, George? And he said, sedentary behavior. <laughs> and then he told me a story about, I should go to the airport and I should look at who's on the escalator. It's the fat people. The thin people are walking up the steps. And we had a discussion about the role of hypotheses in science. And the alternative hypothesis, this is it. It's very simple. Like any growth defect, like any growth defect. Uh, you see somebody walking down the street who's eight feet tall, you're worried about growth hormones. You see somebody walking down the street, an adult, full height, four feet tall, you're worrying about growth hormones, receptors, and signaling molecules. Like any growth defect, obesity is a hormonal regulatory disorder, like type 2 diabetes, to which it's so closely associated that we think of type 2 diabetes and obesity as 
two sides of the same coin. It's fundamentally the sort of insulin signaling, and it's triggered by the carb content of the diet. I mean, that's your hypothesis. It's a simple one, not all carbs in the sense that it's glycemic load and glycemic index and fructose content by different mechanisms. So the base of the food guide pyramid, which begins to explain maybe some of the obesity epidemic, and sweets. And then green leafy vegetables have a surprisingly low digestible carb content. So for most of us, or maybe virtually all of us, they would be benign. So here's the hypothesis. Refined, gra refined grain starches and sugars cause dysregulation of insulin signaling, excess fat accumulation, obesity, and the obesity epidemic. It's a simple hypothesis. It's based on biology instead of physics. I would argue it should be the null hypothesis, but I'm not the one who matters. If you look at the implications, if you ask today the question, why do diets work, the conventional wisdom, this is a line from the latest addicts edition of the textbook of obesity, all diets that result in weight loss do so on one basis and one basis only. They reduce total calorie intake. This alternative hypothesis say all diets that result in weight loss do so on one basis and one basis only. They reduce circulating insulin and probably by restricting carbohydrates. Okay, so when a diet works, it's not because it got somebody to eat less, it's because it's got insulin low enough to mobilize fat. And we're going to talk briefly about the negative stimulus of insulin deficiency. And there are a lot of ways you could do this. So you could lower insulin by calorie restricting somebody, which includes carbohydrate restriction and inevitably includes sugar restriction and beer restriction and Coca-Cola restriction and all of the most offending. You could do it with carbohydrate restriction, arguably without calorie restriction. You could do it with intermittent fasting, you could do it with fasting, maybe even carnivory is an extreme way to reduce insulin, and in that case, maybe increase glucagon. The conventional wisdom, the history, the conventional wisdom from the 1820s at least through the 1960s was that carbohydrates are fattening. Farinaceous is an old word for starchy. This is from Tanner, I quoted this line in every book I've written. I'm going to quote it again in my next one. This is one of the two leading British dietitians co-authoring an article on the British Journal of Nutrition, 1963. The first sentence is, every woman knows that carbohydrates are fattening. It's a piece of common knowledge which few nutritionists would dispute. When you look for diets for obesity, which I did in the late 1940s, early 1950s, I found them published in the medical literature by Harvard Medical School, Stanford Medical School, Columbia Medical, no, Cornell, Rush and one other I forget, and they were all identical to this one by Raymond Green, the leading, Raymond Green was the uh, leading authority on endocrinology in uh, uh, England in the mid-20th century, he was the brother of Graham Green, his textbook, The Practice of Endocrinology, this was a diet, this was always a diet. So foods to be avoided, we're not talking about how much. 30 grams or 5%, it's just, you don't eat these foods, bread, cereals, potatoes, sugar, sweets, and you can eat as much as you like of these foods. Like the foods to be avoided are literally fattening, even though they didn't know that. Why? They didn't have a mechanism, 1951. And you can eat as much of the rest because they are literally not fattening. If I don't want to get lung cancer, nobody cares about how much butter I eat, right? Because it's not carcinogenic. So that's, that was the logic, it was that simple. Don't eat these foods, do eat these foods. If you are predisposed to get fat, then there are indeed bad foods and good foods, and you could eat as much as you want. So here's the catch. This was the problem along why 
such a drastic diet because this evolved with the help of Atkins into the ketogenic diet, even though the doctors who preceded Atkins were just telling people do not eat carbohydrates and pointing out that they gained their weight loss stopped when they ate any, so they were clearly in ketosis. Atkins took this to a ketogenic diet. His diet was ketogenic, ketones and ketosis were his magic sauce. And he had you measure ketones with ketone strips. And if you got add, and you could add carbs back as long as you stayed in ketosis. And so Atkins didn't know this. There's a lot of things he didn't know. He was just a cardiologist. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that, Keto Campers. Be sure to check out Gary Taub's books. He has amazing books on Amazon. I'll put some links. I'll put all the links for his books in the notes down below. He has a book called Why We Get Fat and What to Do About It. He has a book called Good Calories Versus Bad Calories. And he has a book called The Case Against Sugar. I highly recommend all of them. It might take you a little bit of some time to get through them. They're a little bit scientific, but they really break down the cause of obesity and why we are having this crisis and what to do about it. He does a masterful job. If you want to watch this lecture, this entire lecture that I got the clip from, head over to the Jumpstart MD YouTube channel. They have a great channel with a lot of brilliant lectures on that channel. The title of this talk is Gary Tobbs, The Quality of Calories at Jumpstart MD's Weight of the Nation 2018 Conference. I will put a link for that in the podcast notes, so be sure to check that out. If you found this episode useful, please take a screenshot of it on your phone, post it on your Instagram story and or Instagram profile, and tag me in it. My Instagram handle is at thebenazadi, that's T-H-E-B-E-N, A-Z-A-D-I. I'll be sure to see that and share it on my story so we can get some other Keto Campers following you back. Also use the hashtag Keto Camp or Keto Camper as we search that all the time. If you'd like a free 12-page ebook designed to teach you how to master keto and fasting, I have a four-step approach to do so and you can read this quick ebook in about 30 minutes and understand more on healthy keto and healthy fasting head over to www.ketokickstartguide.com, claim that for free, and learn more about the amazing benefits of keto and fasting when you do it the right way. Thank you so much for listening to this entire episode through. You'll hear me on the next one. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Benazadi, disclaim responsibility from any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own. And this podcast does not accept responsibility of statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or non-direct interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.